the musicians and singers that, that come up and that lead us, whether it be in the first service or second services, lead us in the praise of, of the Lord and thankful for our band today, but also thankful for the last two um, services we've had for Alyssa Albert to be able to come and um, add, add to what we've uh, been doing. Um, it's one thing, you know, violin is just a beautiful instrument just to look at, but when you can play it, like she plays it, um, that just adds a completely different dimension. Um, so thank you so much, Alyssa, for coming and just being a part um, of what we've been doing this season. And um, may we just continue to give God what is rightfully his, just all of us. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open with me to two places today. Um, first to Psalm 102, Psalm 102, and then Hebrews 13. Psalm 102, Hebrews um, 13. And this is the 10th message that we have done um, in a series called Behold, where we are looking at the attributes of God, the perfections of God. And what we've acknowledged from the beginning is that attempting to wrap our brains or our minds around um, the innumerable or the magnificent attributes of God is a feat that shall never be fully accomplished by us. Yet what we know is that our God has graciously revealed himself to us. And what has he revealed to us? He's revealed his goodness, his love, his righteousness, his holiness, his faithfulness, his sovereignty, his forgiveness, his justice, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his salvation, his omnipresence, his graciousness, his perfection. That's just to name a few of the things. The list could go on and on. And so what we know is that um, the attributes of God are not like the old spiritual dry bones and not that we and we don't sing the love bones connected to the wrath bone, the wrath bones connected to the grace bone, the grace bones connected to the justice bone and that connected to the goodness bone and the faithfulness bone. We don't do that. What we know is this God's attributes are not connected together in parts. God's attributes are the whole of who God is. They're the whole of who he is. And think about this. God is the most obligated being that there is. God is obligated by who he is. He's obligated by his own nature. He is infinite in his wisdom. Therefore, he can never do anything that is unwise. God is infinite in his justice. Therefore, God can never do anything that is unjust. God is infinite in his goodness. Therefore, God can never do anything that is not good. God is infinite in his truth. Therefore, it's impossible for him to ever lie. And there is a, a marvelous attribute um, of God that we often, unfortunately, we neglect. And we neglect to our own detriment. Um, but we're going to introduce that this morning. And in introducing it, I want us to do something kind of weird. We're going to kind of go a different direction at the beginning and then come back to this attribute. So think about this phrase with me. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. We read it in Scripture in the New Testament as well. Jesus says it. It's said of the angel to Mary in this amazing picture. But it's a biblical phrase that brings comfort and encouragement to us, especially in the midst of impossibilities. The idea is that because God is so powerful, because he is so wonderful, nothing is impossible for him. Nothing is too big for him. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants. After all, he is God. But let me just say this and don't answer too soon. Is this true? Is there anything that God cannot do? And we would answer that question by saying, 
Yes, yes, there are things that God cannot do. In fact, think about this. The only thing that God cannot do is to act contrary to God's own character. So God can never act outside of his character. Therefore, when we speak of God, we must confess that there are just certain things that God cannot do since um, he cannot do things that would um, not align with who he is. So everything that God does is intentional and nothing that he does is contrary to his perfect being. So let me just give you a quick list of just a few things, not a, a total list, not an exhaustive list of a few things that God cannot do. So first of all, God cannot sin. He cannot sin. God cannot be tempted to sin, nor can God tempt anyone to sin. God cannot lie. Praise God for that. God cannot ever deny himself. He knows who he is, and he cannot deny himself. God cannot increase or decrease um, in his knowledge or in his power. I love this one. God cannot fail. Let me say that one more time. There should be an amen attached to that one. God cannot fail. Doesn't know what it means to fail. And then God cannot change. Which leads us to the attribute that we are going to look at today. Which is called, it's called the immutability of God. The immutability of God. Immutability means that God is not subject to change. Through time or through circumstances. In his nature, in his character, God is absolutely without change. The way God is now is the way God has always been. Nothing can be added to God because nothing is lacking in God. Think about this. It's hard for us to go even a day without changing in some way. I, I, I'm go ahead and just confess my sins for you. I don't think there is a day the last two weeks that I have not gained one pound during this Christmas break. I mean, it's, it's happened. I'm sorry it's happened, but... Praise God, New Year's is coming, and, and, and here we go. But every day, our thoughts, our emotions are constantly changing. Our greatest desires, our plans change over time. Yet the God that we serve, he never changes his mind. He never changes his course of action in the world. The core and the whole of who he is never changes all of God's attributes are included in God's immutability. His attributes do not change. The great Puritan Stephen Charnock put it this way, Immutability belongs to all the attributes of God. Every one of his perfections is immutable, meaning unchanging, and none of them will appear glorious without this beam. How cloudy would his blessedness be if he were changeable? How dim would be his wisdom if it might be obscured? How feeble would be his power, be it or be if it were capable of languishing. Oh, how mercy would lose its luster if it could change into wrath. Unchangeableness is a thread that runs through the whole web of God's attributes to his eternal glory. And what we're saying this morning is that our God is an immovable rock. He is a mighty fortress and he is the only sure anchor in a ever-changing world. He is the only true anchor in an ever-changing world. So I want us to dive into the word this morning. I want us to behold our unchangeable God, behold the immutable one. And we're going to look at Psalm 102 verses 26 and 27 or 25 to 27 together first and then flip over and read Hebrews 13:8 together. So if you're able 
I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor God's word. We're going to begin with Psalm 102, 25 through 27, and flip over to Hebrews 13, 8. So Psalm 102, 25 through 27, it says this of God. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away, but... You are the same, and your years have no end. Our God is the same. Now look over at Hebrews 13, and let's see what it says about Jesus. 13 and verse 8, and it says this. So Hebrews 13, 8, when you get there, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we... Come to your word now, Lord, and we know that you alone have the words of eternal life. God, your word is living. It is powerful. It is eternal. God, just speak to us today, Father, by your word, through your spirit. Just show us the beauty of your unchangeable um, characteristic, God, of your unchangeableness, Lord, in all that you are. God, help us to see the beauty of it, the glory of it, God, and just help us to see, Lord, that we can trust you because of it. Or we can trust you more this coming up year. Lord, none of us, none of us know what 2019 will hold. None of us know how our lives might be changed this coming up year. But what we do know is that you will not change. You do not change. You cannot change. So you will be our hope and our refuge forever. God, just show us the beauty of that today. In Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So what we know is that the Bible repeatedly, the, the Bible unapolog unapologetically, um, over and over again, underscores the fact that God does not change. He cannot change because he cannot improve upon absolute perfection. He cannot decline um, on his and base in his eternally fixed nature. If God could change for the better, it would mean that God currently is not the best possible being, but he is. If God could change for the worse, then what kind of God could or might he become? So what we know is this, the immutability of God declares that God has neither evolved, he hasn't grown, nor can he improve. He does not deteriorate, he does not develop, God does not mature, and hear this, God does not need to be upgraded. Our culture has convinced itself that God requires an upgrade. Here's the thought, if God is going to make it to the next generation, God is going to have to be brought up to speed in his thinking. God must change his thoughts and his beliefs if God is going to make it to the next generation. And that is what our culture believes. And that is what our culture affirms. Yet the issue for our society and for every society is that God is immutable, meaning God cannot be upgraded. God cannot be upgraded. And, and think about this. We don't want to mess around with this amazing truth that God changes. Let me just lay it out here. To deny the immutability of God is to deny God. To deny the immutability of God is to deny that He is God. If God can change, then He is not the eternal, self-sufficient, 
infinite Lord that the Bible says that he is over and over and over again. And if God can change, then how in the world can we know that we are eternally secure in him? If God can change, then how do we know that our salvation is eternal? So the immutability of God is essential to who God is and what God has promised to accomplish um, in, the fallen, or in this fallen world that knows nothing but change. So what I want to do now is I want us to quickly unpack three um, truths related to the immutable nature of God. And these truths, like I prayed, will be anchors for us in the midst of an unchanging, or excuse me, the midst of a changing world. In the midst of a culture and society that is constantly changing, we need anchors that will hold us. So we want to look at three truths today. The first is this. The person of God cannot be altered. The person of God cannot be altered. And let me just kind of lay it out this way. The immutability of God appears in its most perfect beauty when viewed against the mutability of man, meaning God's unchangeable nature is most beautifully seen when we see the fact that we are constantly changing. We cannot escape change. God is not affected by change. Think about this. God is not affected by when you and I change. When you and I are restless, God remains at peace. When we are, and I know none of you ever had this happen to you, but maybe other people you know, but when they are selfish or hateful or proud, God remains the unalterable I am. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot be something that he was not before. In fact, think about it like this. The second we begin to think of a God who changes, we are no longer thinking about God. So the second you begin to think about a God who changes, you're no longer thinking about God. You are thinking about someone else and something way less than who God is. The psalmist declared of God in Psalm 102.27, you are the same. In the book of Malachi, God himself made this claim, for I, the Lord, do not change. In, in the book of James, the half-brother of Jesus um, said it this way, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This is our God. And He is beyond our understanding. Words cannot um, totally describe the one who is indescribable. We can no more contain God in our minds than we could ever contain the ocean in a thimble. You just cannot do it. The finite cannot um, contain the infinite. But let me just say this, because this is beautiful for us. Although we cannot know God fully, so we can't fully come to the bottom of God. Guess what? We can know God truly. We can know God truly. We can't know Him fully, but we can know Him truly. We can truly know this God. And what we know is in this God, his wisdom is wonderful. His power is perfect. His holiness is undefiled. His word is totally always dependable. His love is unchanging and everlasting. His mercies may be new to us every morning, but they're not new to him. 
They're not new to him. The very same God who created angels, who spoke the universe into existence, who formed Adam from the dust, who destroyed the world by flood, who called Abraham out of Ur, who sent plagues upon Egypt, who led Israel into the promised land, who was gracious to his people over and over again. And the same God who sent his son into the world is our God and will be God forever. This is the reality of what we're talking about. God never changes. Let me give you the bad news of that. God never changes his attitude towards sin. The same attitude that God had towards sin when he drove Adam and Eve out of the garden is the same attitude that God has towards sin today. God hasn't changed. That is bad news for us. Yet the good news is this. God's attitude towards the sinner is the very same attitude that Jesus had when Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. At the same time, bad news and such good news for us did you know that the good news is so good because the bad news is so bad this is the reality of it what peace this should give to us that our father in heaven never differs from himself and coming to god we never have to wonder what kind of mood god is going to be in we all have people in our lives that we never know um, whether they're going to embrace us and love us when we come to them or whether they're going to, to bite our heads off. So sometimes we kind of approach cautiously, like, are they going to eat me up today? Are they going to be nice today? So we don't know what to do. But in coming to God, we never have to wonder whether he will receive us or whether he will turn us away. Think about it like this. The immutability of God does not mean that God is eternally detached or that God is indifferent towards us. No, that's not God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1, He is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. God is aware of what you and I are going through. And in case you're wondering this morning, God hears your cries. He hears your cries. He hears you. The enemy would convince you that he doesn't, but he hears you. In fact, let me say this. At this very moment, God feels the same towards his creatures as he did when he sent his son Jesus into the world. At this very moment, God feels the same about you as he did when he sent his son into the world. All throughout Scripture, God is described as one who can and does enter into deep and personal relationships with people. He is a God who cares for us. He will forever be who He is, and that's good news for us. And here's what we need to understand this morning, because as I said earlier, we have no idea what 2019 will hold. God may and probably will allow our circumstances to change next year. But our circumstances will never change him. Our circumstances will never change him. Hear that this morning. For those of you who are walking through difficulty, in the midst of your difficulty, you have been convinced that God somehow has changed. Your circumstances might and will change. God will not change. He doesn't become. He is. He is God. And think about this. Talking about the immutability of God or God unchangeable nature might not seem very important to some people 
But what if God could change? Just think about this. If God could change, then any change that would be made would either be for the better or for the worse. If God could change for the better, then God was not the best possible um, being before. Um, so how could we be sure if God could change for the better that he um, is not the best? So how will we know that? And then what if God could change for the worse? What kind of God could he become? Could his holy good nature be replaced by a little bit of evil? And if so, could it be eventually replaced by all evil? And then if God was all evil, guess what? There would be nothing we could do about it because God is omnipotent. So thousands of years from now, we could live in a universe dominated by an evil, omnipotent God who seeks only our misery and our punishment. If God could change. How would we ever trust a God or how could we ever trust a God that could change? How could we ever commit our lives to him? How could we ever find security in a God if that God could change? The good news this morning, brothers and sisters, is our God doesn't change. He is the unalterable one. He will not. He does not. He has not. He cannot change. Praise God for that. So the person of God cannot be altered. Second truth is this. The purposes of God cannot be stopped. The purposes of God cannot be stopped. God Almighty, the God that we serve, He can do whatever He pleases. What God does in time that we live in, we know that God planned from eternity. And whatever God planned from eternity will happen and He will carry out in time. Think about it like this. There's not one person in this room or not one person in this world that can prevent the sun from rising. You can stand outside and you can yell at it all you want to. And you can go outside and you can say, I don't believe in you. And that sun is still going to rise. And here's the reality. No human effort can ever stop what God has purposed or what God has planned. We cannot do it. Look at Psalm 33:11. It says this, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Or Isaiah 14, 26 and 27. This is the purpose that is purpose concerning the whole earth. For the Lord of hosts has purposed and who will annul it? The answer is this. No one. No one will change what God has purposed. No one will stop what God has planned. God does not alter his purposes. God does not go halfway into something and then realize, uh-oh, I messed up this one. And then God backs out and says, just kidding. No, that's not what God does. All of God's purposes are based off of God's perfect wisdom and knowledge. Nothing ever catches God by su surprise. I read this quote I thought was awesome. If God were painting a room, God would never paint himself into a corner. If God were painting a room, he would never paint himself into a corner. Guess who does that? We do. All the time. God never paints himself into a corner. Why? Because God's plans are firm. His purposes will always be carried out. Our plans and our purposes change. Sometimes we make plans and in hindsight we go, man, those weren't very realistic plans. That just wasn't going to happen ever. So we say, well, i got to go back to the drawing board and create new plans. Other times, people come along and frustrate our plans. But God's plans are perfect and no one can stop them. 
According to A.W. Pink, one of two things would cause God to change his mind or to ever reverse his plans. First would be a lack of foresight to anticipate everything in which God would not be omniscient. He wouldn't be all-knowing. The second is a lack of power to execute his plan in which God would not be omnipotent. But we know that God is all-knowing and God is all-powerful. Therefore, he never needs to revise his purposes. Since the very beginning, God has had one vision. God has had one glorious purpose. To glorify his name and all that he has done. In creating us and saving us, all of it for the glory of his name. Over and over and over again, man, us, we have turned away from God's purposes. Constantly turned away from God's purposes. Yet God's purposes never changed. God continually brought us back to his purposes without ever compromising himself. Just think about some of the purposes that have been revealed in the word. I I said one purpose and now I'm saying purposes, but you see it, it all comes together in what God has desired. God purposed, according to the word of God, a people. God purposed the coming of Christ. God purposed our salvation. God has purposed the spread of the gospel to all people. And here's the beautiful thing. God's purposes cannot be stopped. The beauty of it is the gospel will make it to all people groups because God has declared it. God has said it is going to happen. The the most beautiful thing we could ever do is give ourselves to the plans and purposes of God to jump into the river of blessings that's already going to the nations. Because God is all-knowing, His purposes are established in perfect wisdom. Because God is all-powerful, His purposes are carried out in awesome power. This is the beauty of of God's purposes. They cannot be stopped. But let me just pause real quick and, and deal with kind of an issue that some people struggle with. So what about the scriptures that seem to tell us that God changes His mind? When you think about that, Genesis 6, Exodus 32... 2 Samuel 24, Jeremiah 26, Jonah chapter 3 all give us pictures where it either says God relented, God repented, God changed his mind. What about those scriptures? What do we do with those scriptures that seem to point to the fact that God relented in some way, repented in some way, changed his mind in some form or fashion? What do we do? In Jeremiah 16... Turn there if you have your Bibles. Jeremiah 16, verses 5 through 8. There is a powerful um, word here that kind of helps bring everything else um, into clarity. Jeremiah 16, verses 5 through 8. When you get there. I just realized I only wrote some of it down, so I need to get to where I can see all of it. So Jeremiah 16, beginning at verse 5, it says this. For thus says the Lord, do not enter in the house of mourning or go into um, lament or grieve for them. For I have taken away my peace from this people. My steadfast love and mercy declares the Lord. Both great and small shall die in this land. They shall not be buried. Um, No one shall lament for them or cut himself or make himself bald for them. No one shall. Where am I at? You know, I, am in, I don't know where I'm at, and I don't know what I wrote down. But there is a verse somewhere in Jeremiah. Hey, 
Every once in a while it happens. There is a verse that says this, and I will find it and I will let you know. It says this, if at any time, God speaking, I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will pluck up and break down and destroy it. And if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do to it. In Jonah 3.10, we read that God saw what they did, meaning the people of Nineveh, how they turned from their evil way. And it says this, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So God's purposes are absolutely unchanging. But, hear this, for us, God's purposes are constantly unfolding. God's purposes for us are constantly unfolding. The biblical narrative in which God tends or God seems to change his mind are almost always stories that deal with God's threats of judgment and punishment. The threats are then followed either by the repentance of the people or a prayer of confession, an intercessory prayer of confession by the leaders. In this moment, God, hear this, God is not talked into changing his mind. No, out of God's gracious heart, God does what God has promised to do all along, which is not punish sinners who repent. This is the picture of what God does. God chooses not to do what he has every right to do. And in relenting and in forgiving us, God's purposes are accomplished. So understand this picture. The person of God cannot be altered. The purposes of God cannot be stopped. And then third, the promises of God cannot be thwarted. The, the, per, the promises of God cannot be thwarted. The promises that we hold in our hands, this word cannot be thwarted. Think about it like this. How many of you have ever said anything that you did not mean? Okay, so most of you. How many of you have ever lied in church? That would be the rest of you who didn't raise your hands. And if you saw somebody who did not raise your hands, that now would be a really good time to get away from them in case, just in case, the lightning might come. Just, just, just saying. Um, but think about this. We've all had times where we have said things we didn't mean. Or, here's another way to put it. How many of you have, have your, your, your mouse ever written a check that your rear ends couldn't cash? That's another way to put it. So most of you, oh, I, yes, yes. We have all, all of us at one time or another have either stuck our foot in our mouths, we've had to take back our words, or we've had to eat our words. All of us have had to do that at one time or another. Our words, human words, are very unstable, but not so with the word of God. His words stand forever. God still stands behind every promise. The promises that God made to Moses and to Malachi, the promises that God made to Jeremiah and to John, they remain the same. In Isaiah 48, it says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Numbers 23.19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? And the answer is, yes, he will. He will always fulfill his promises. We can trust 
God's word to be as true today as it has always been. This is why Jesus could say, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a man, a wise man who builds his house on a rock. Trusting the words of others, of a, of a person, is like building your house on, a sand, on sand, and it will crumble. But God's word is a rock, a firm, unchanging foundation. So I'm going to just real quick focus on us. So changing God, now let's focus on us for just a second. The Word of God tells us that God cannot change. And that is a very clear truth all throughout Scripture. Yet, the promises of God for us, hear this, is that we can change. The promises of God for us is that we can. God cannot change, but we can And it's really good news for a people who are born dead in trespasses and sins, who are born enemies of God, who are born um, in understanding the wrath of God. And, And that way for us to understand that we can change, that's really good for us. I love the words of A.W. Tozer who said, For human beings, the whole possibility of redemption lies in their ability to change. To move across from one sort of person to another is the essence of repentance. The liar becomes truthful. The thief becomes honest. The lewd becomes pure. The proud becomes humble. The thoughts, the desires, the affections are transformed and the man is no longer what he had been before. Or in the words of 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed. Behold, the new has come. That is the good news for us, brothers and sisters. God cannot change, but praise God, bless God, we can. We can change. We can go from being dead and old to being new, new creations in Christ Jesus. Do you know that this morning? Has God changed your heart this morning? If he hasn't, I, there's a, a message that Brother Michael, Pastor Michael spoke in India about what happens when God touches your life. If, there, if there's gotten to a place in your life where you say, well, I'm saved, but there's no difference in your life, go talk to him and let him give you his little illustration and show you that this picture is when God touches your life, it will never be the same. It will never be the same. So where do we land this morning? So if we're in mid-flight, where are we going to land this morning? And that's a good question. I, I, I kind of want to land this way. In his book, The Robe, Lloyd Douglas tells of a story of when he lived in a boarding house. Downstairs in the first floor was an elderly retired music teacher who was ailing and unable to ever leave his apartment. And Douglas tells a story that every morning they had a ritual that they would go through together. He would come down the steps, open the old man's door, and ask, well, what's the good news today? The old man would pick up his tuning fork, he would tap it on the side of his wheelchair, and say, that's middle C. It was middle C yesterday, it will be middle C tomorrow, and it will be middle C a thousand years from now. Then he would say this, the tenor upstairs sings flat, the piano across the hall is out of tune, but that, my friend, that is middle C. The old man discovered one thing upon which he could depend, which would be constantly true. And what this means for us, very simply, 
is that in our changing world, in our changing culture, God is unchanging. God is dependable. Our trust in him is therefore a confident trust. For we know that he will not, indeed he cannot, change. Let me say this again. I'm not neglecting what you've gone through. I'm not just ignoring what you've gone through. Our circumstances, brothers and sisters, will change. Guaranteed, our circumstances will change. There might be some people sitting in here today that won't be sitting here this time next year or people in our family that won't be a part of our family next year because the Lord will take them. Circumstances will change, brothers and sisters, but God will not. Don't let your changing circumstances change your opinion of an unchangeable God. Do not let that happen. God's purposes are unfailing. His promises are are unshakable. I want to put one more verse on, on the screen. It is Romans chapter 8. So Romans chapter 8. And if you um, just want to turn there, you can turn to verses 35 through 39 and just look at that together. We're not going to read it together, but just so you can see it. And just think about this. It is because the God who promised us eternal life is immutable that we may rest assured knowing that nothing Nothing, not trouble, not hardship, not persecution or famine, not nakedness, not danger, not sword. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God that is most clearly seen in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever that neither angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of our God. If God can change, then that is not good news for us. But because He can't, that will forever be good news for us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is there any praise in your heart this morning for a God who cannot change? Is there any praise in your heart for that? And then let me ask you this. Has the unchanging one changed you? Has the unchanging one changed you? Have you been changed by the unchanging God? Have you given your heart and life to him? Have you repented of your sin? Have you turned from trusting yourself Have you turned from your sin? Have you turned to Jesus Christ, trusting Him as Savior and Lord? If you have done that, or if you will do that, your life will never be the same. I'm not guaranteeing you smooth sailing. I'm not guaranteeing you everything will ever go the way you want it to go. But you will have an anchor. You will have an anchor in the midst of a changing world, and that anchor will not change. And the beautiful thing, brothers and sisters, that anchor will hold. It will hold now, and it will hold forever and ever and ever and ever. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand this morning. I'm going to ask the musicians to come forward as we prepare to sing one more song, one more song of of Christmas as well. But as we sing this song, I'm just going to pray that whatever... God is doing in our hearts and lives in this moment that we would respond. Maybe God is laying upon your heart right now for you to to come and hit your knees and pray. Especially as the new year is approaching. Maybe you know that there was a time in your life where God 
saved you and changed you, but you have fallen back. You're not the person you once were. You're not seeking the Lord like you once did. We're not talking about like there's a magic date on the calendar, January 1st, where everything magically happens. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about God is speaking to you right now. Deal with it is what we're talking about. Deal with what God is telling you right now. So let's pray together. Father, we come before you and we praise your name that you do not change. You cannot change. Oh God, the hope that that should give to us. The confidence, the security that that should give to us. The trust that we can have, God. We change. The world is changing. Our culture is changing. God, you cannot, you will not change. You are the same yesterday, today, and you are the same forever. How we praise your name for that. God, how we bless your name. And we thank you that you, the unchanging one, also has stepped into our world. And God, you made it possible for us to change. For those of us who are dead and trespassing and sins, you made it possible for us to change. God, I pray for anyone in this room today who has never trusted you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that they understand, God, that they are under a penalty for their sin. That they have sinned against you, a holy God, and they are deserving of eternal punishment. But God, you sent forth your Son to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. Therefore, we don't trust in anything that we could ever do. We don't trust in walking an aisle. We don't trust in praying a prayer. We don't trust in being dunked in a, in a baptism of the Lord. We trust in what you have done for us and what you have done for us alone at the cross. Father, I pray today for anyone who's never trusted you, Jesus Christ, alone for their salvation, that today you would help them to confess and repent of their sin to turn away from trusting themselves and to turn and trust you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord. God, and I also pray all across this room for brothers and sisters who have accepted Christ, have come to Christ, have been saved, but yet have fallen back. God, that that they are here today is no accident. They are here today because you brought them here so that you could remind them that you have not changed. That if their relationship with you has changed, God, it's not because you have changed. You haven't. We do. God, I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us, cleanse us, God, whatever it is that you're telling your people today, God, help us to do it. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, God, may we do it. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.